Keeping it right. Well hit. Back of the wall. It's off the wall. One run scores. Here comes Berkman. Freeze has tied it. 7-7. Seven to seven. Unbelievable. The Rangers, even in their no-doubles defense, allows Freeze to hit. Remember that guy, the sports podcast where we mine our memories for nuggets of nostalgia about peripheral players, past and present. Hey there, everyone. It's me, Nelson Cruz, diehard fan, James. Joined, as always, by my very special guest. That's right. It's me, the very special guest, Xavier. And unfortunately, we do not have Justin Diaz today, but we do have someone who likes Tyrese Maxey even more. Please introduce yourself. What's going on, guys? Jake Galley here. I know I heard Dante was the super mega guest. I would like to be referred to as the giga guest, giga Chad, giga guest, best <laughs> guess. Uh, whatever you guys really want to go with, we can run with. I'm down with giga guest. I'm down with triple G. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm doing well. I do love just a little bit of backstory. We do dynasty basketball, and we have rookie drafts, and um. A couple years ago, I was really high on Tyrese Maxey. I moved up to take Tyrese Maxey. So excited. I nabbed my Sixers coveted piece. And the first thing I am greeted by is a piercing, cackling laugh from our buddy X here. Laughing at my pick. Telling me that I should have taken Devin Vassell at that pick. And that I, it was a horrible pick. Hey, And hey, I will hey, never let him. Be careful here. Uh, no one yeah. say anything ill here of Devin Vassell. <laughs> who's who's a de- is X the Stan? No, the- I, I'm a Spurs fan. What are you talking about here, homie? All right, well then you should know better than anyone that Maxi was the pick there. Yes, and, no, uh, Maxi's we'll better we'll than Devin Vassell. I just want to make sure Devin Vassell doesn't catch any strays here. Like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, he I doesn't deserve it. I'll pick one, but Maxi is better now. But at the time, it was a Homer pick, and I think we can agree it was a Homer pick because no one thought Maxi would be like this. Jake just loves the Sixers. Just because you got lucky doesn't mean it was a great pick at the time. Truth be told, I did move up thinking Killian Hayes would be there. He got picked like third overall, and I was cursing myself for moving up. It was a little bit of luck, but I never let Xavier forget that he laughed at me on that day. I think I gave me shit for picking Killian Hayes, too. Yeah, as did I. <laughs> Well, it's it's too bad that our other Tyrese Maxey fan Diaz couldn't be here. He actually, uh, if you didn't see the opening day of the Phillies today, the Fanatic safely was able to parachute into center field. It took them a lot of trials, and Diaz was unfortunately involved in one of those. His injuries are very minor. He should be back next week. It was a retroactive 10-day IL placement, but that is part of why we've got Jake here joining us today. And Diaz said, we can't let that stop us. We still got to talk about who's making memories for us right now. And X, I would love to start with you if you don't mind. Of course. Yeah, I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball here. So I have watched the Tony Hawk Until the Wheels Fall Off documentary twice in the past 24 hours. It's incredible. It's one of my favorite documentaries of all time. Just the focus they have on skating destroys your body. You have to be willing to get very badly hurt to be great at skating. It opens with Tony Hawk at his private ramp just falling, falling, and falling. It sets a great tone for it. It's on HBO Max. I would recommend anyone watch it, even if you're not a skateboarding fan. It's just really well made and fantastic insight into the skate culture and the, you know, how it waxed and waned from the late 70s to now. It's like periods of it being great. And then if you skate, you're making no money and you're unable to pay your water bills. It really is. It is fantastic. I highly recommend it. 
Does it go into at all people like not recognizing him? I feel like he's the most recognizable, unrecognizable person. You literally put up a Twitter thread tonight, April 8th, Wednesday, in promotion of the film, saying he had another one of those moments in an elevator when someone was like knowingly saying, hey, has anyone ever told Yes, yes, we've done this. Like That has become a almost a too self-aware thing. Like, I think that he even said in the tweet tonight, I think this is the last time we can make this joke. Unfortunately, hey, the- they didn't get into the memes uh, in, in there. I would have loved if they had that meme and also the Wesley Snipes race war meme. Uh, about- Tony Hawk and Wesley Snipes had a, made, they made sure to take a note for that at the know, Oscars. That they acknowledge it. Again, he's hip to it, which is something I appreciate about Tony Hawk. I also think this is a great movie to watch going into baseball season because it's such a good example of just the utter failure associated with sports over and over and over, particularly as we begin the sport that is the most based in failure. Except for maybe skateboarding, frankly, after watching this documentary. <laughs> Might be the only one that gives baseball a run for its money. For, I'm not a big skateboarder. I never skateboarded. Did not have the coordination. Do they, ever, do they have statistics that they, I don't even know, I guess it's kind of like the Olympics where you do some tricks and they judge you based off of? Yeah, I mean, there. so there is that. That is the scoring system for most, like, full-fledged competition. So in terms of statistics, I mean, you can definitely go back and find the records of people's qualifying scores in early rounds and, and things of that nature. In terms of numbers of times that they beefed it, I, I don't think we have those numbers. I don't think we have like the advanced stats yet in, in skateboarding. We don't have War or, or Vorp or Xwoba or anything like that. Once we get the Elon Musk chips in everyone, we'll be able to record those statistics. Everyone will have their stats. How many tricks missed? It'll be, uh, it'll be glorious stuff. Well, Xavier, I, I thank you for giving us the HBO plug. I agree. This is a phenomenal movie. I have also seen it. I do recommend it. Is there anything else making memories for you right now, X? Yeah, real quick. Rangers still chugging along, making me happy. Another shout out over the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins yesterday. And then just today, the Yankees opening day, because yesterday was rained out. They win in 11 innings. Josh Donaldson, walk-off single up the middle to beat the Red Sox. First walk-off opening day victory for the Yankees since 1957, I believe, uh, was the stat they talked about on the the Yes broadcast. And it's a long season. It feels like baseball season takes most of the year, so it's hard to get super excited about just one game. But it is nice to win in extra innings opening day against the Red Sox. You know what? I'm just so happy for you that that four-minute delay didn't completely ruin everything for Garrett Cole, the, the princess of the Bronx. I'm sorry, I don't want to say that. That's not nice to princesses. I'm sure there are some badass princesses out there that are much more durable than Garrett Cole and can handle a simple four-minute addition to the schedule. My apologies. Garrett Cole's just a, just a little punk. It's a day. I'm saying a day. Yesterday, yesterday was rained out. He literally said he was upset about the festivities pushing the start time back today, which was from 108 okay, well, to 112. All, all, all pitchers, especially ace pitchers, are weird. So, you know, they, they have their rhythm, their routine doesn't surprise me. Yeah, right, I don't, he can be weird. He's just a weird punk. I don't think any of the princesses that you would poll use uh, questionable substances either. Like we've Not seen anymore. our man Garrett. <laughs> so allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. I don't know. I Check your hands. Royalty uses plenty of questionable substances, so to speak. <laughs> right. I don't know how many of them are pine tar-like. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we do have to do a little bit deeper research into that. Well, Jake, while you're, while you're here with us, I would love to hear who's making memories for you. 
Yeah, it it's pretty indisputable. There, there's a singular a man responsible, that being Joel Embiid. He may or may not win the MVP award, but there's no question that I, I think you could probably go around now that Tom Brady's like retired, gone out of New England. I don't know if there's an athlete that means more to their city than Joel Embiid means to Philadelphia, considering the things that the team had to go through, A, to get him, B, once he's on the team, you don't know if he's going to play, if he'll ever play, if he'll ever be anything. Then once he does begin to play, will he ever be healthy enough? There's always been these questions around Joel Embiid, and he's answered them time after time after time again. I do think that this award will probably go once again to Nikola Jokic, which is a crying shame. Uh, in 20 years, people are going to look back and be like, how did a guy who is bottom half of the league defensively in points per play allowed win the Most Valuable Player Award? That, that That's going to be a big question mark over his candidacy years to come, but what can you do? I'm pretty sure Giannis is going to beat them both. I would love for it to be Joel Embiid. I'm sorry, like, if you watch a basketball game, Giannis looks like the best basketball player to have ever existed nowadays. I do. I will not combat you on that, mainly because every time he comes up against Joel Embiid, it seems to be some... He shows up against the other top competitors every single time. Well, the I, I think what I said about him, I think it was two weeks ago on my podcast, Straight Facts, is that he is the single most, like, big moment player. Offense, defense, when there is a peak moment the apex of the game, Giannis is always going to show his face. Um, and then and then he has the stats to back it up. I was arguing with some Denver fans today on Twitter saying like, look, if it came down to it, I would give Giannis the award before I would give it to Jokic. Like, that's fine. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. If it's not going to be Joel Embiid, I think you're absolutely correct that it has to be Giannis. It, if it goes to Jokic, I also think you're absolutely correct that that will suck. It's cool that he got one. I, I will also admit I'm just someone that doesn't like people racking up a lot, and I understand this would be Giannis's third. The other thing that I think is working in Giannis's favor is I think there's an effect of voters feeling like an MVP award this year can also kind of add on to what was done in the playoffs last year and, and feed further into this. It is supposed to be a regular season award, but like they're thinking about what was done since the last time they voted. All of his playoff run came after the last time Giannis didn't win MVP. And yeah, I just... There's a responsibility to the game. It's all well and good to point and say, hey, Nikola Jokic has the best stats. But like 20 years from now, when I'm telling my grandkids or my kids or whoever, 20 years, not grandkids, kids, <laughs> not grandkids. Uh, if you get started right now, if right you go now, out tonight. Yeah, I would have to really get uh, put, put on a Wilt Chamberlain performance. But anyways, I think that there's an obligation of the writers and the people who vote on this award to tell the history of the NBA, if you look back at the end of Joel Embiid's career and he doesn't have an MVP or he doesn't have a defensive player of the year, I just don't think that that's true to like the nature of the NBA today. He is a, a most valuable player, I think you would say. So, look, I, I can't fault you if you say honest, can't fault you if you say Jokic, but goddamn. You can fault you a little bit if you say... The MVP should look like he could beat the other MVP <laughs> candidates in a one-on-one -on -one game. And... Nikola Jokic is an incredible player, and he he elevates his team maybe more than any other player. I'll 100% acknowledge that, except for maybe Luka Doncic. I think Nikola Jokic single-handedly elevates a team more than anyone else, but I don't think Nikola Jokic can beat Giannis or Joel Embiid in a game of one-on-one. -on -one. The only thing I want to add, I hope that none of the writers who vote on this award, I hope that Jokic's siblings do not have their address. 
Because I would not want to be them if they don't vote Jokic. We really have to pass the fact that like, he knocked Markeith Morris out for months. For months. Like, if he did that just not in an NBA arena, he would be facing prison time if he, if he took someone out of work for like four months by hitting him in the back. I mean, come on. Character clause, right? So, I mean, he's disqualified. It has to be one of those two. And I'm sorry, we've, we've gotten off track here, which is you want to talk about the other contestant for MVP that we haven't even touched on all that much, Joel Embiid. Yeah, I, I think, and this is when writing my articles for BeckQL, I put out one or two a week. Usually on UFC, I did some NBA stuff this week. And, you know, I was talking about the defensive side of the basketball. There really are no catch-all value metrics that are true indicatives of value for a singular player. So if you want to say defensive box plus minus, you want to say win shares, PER, like there are a bunch of these catch-all statistics. None of them really grasp how well you prevent the other team from putting the ball in the basket, whether that is standing in front of the guy with the ball or whether that is taking away shots, changing the gravity of the, of the opponent's offense without really impacting stuff. So defense is the hardest, I think, to measure in every sport because so much of it is exactly what you're alluding to, which is what are you forcing someone to not do? All we can measure is the outcome of things that people still attempt. And it's about like, you know, the, the shot attempts that people aren't making when someone's guarding them or things like that. Yeah, and as you said, it can be hard to gauge. One thing that I do love to look at is the synergy tracking stats the NBA has on their website. You can really get nitty and gritty. And I went ahead and looked at the points per play allowed uh, against common actions. So isolations, post-ups, guarding the pick and roll, roll man. Those are probably three of the most common things that are going to happen as a defender, especially as a big when you're dealing with pick and roll on the defensive side. So when you look at that guarding isolations, Jokic is in the 40th percentile in terms of points per play, while Embiid is in the 93rd percentile, top of the league in isolation. That's on the wing. Um, that doesn't, or that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. I mean, it does not, but I think it does give good context. You keep going down, guarding post-ups, Embiid 70th percentile, which is a little bit surprising, lower than you would think until you look over at Jokic. 1.02 points per play allowed, 30th percentile in the league. He's supposed to be the MVP center. He can't guard post-ups. Like, what He's, are we talking about? Well, and I think this is this breaks down athleticism in defense more than anything, the way you're describing it to me. And Nikola Jokic, beautiful mind, beautiful yes. passing, effective shooting, <laughs> not the it. most athletic dude. He's a big boy. He'd, look, would he dust my ass in pretty much any competition? Absolutely. Please, again, Jokic brothers, don't come get us. But, <laughs> but, yeah, but I, he doesn't seem that athletic compared to most NBA players. I, I actually had someone check me uh, because Embiid had some like touch pass, like it was getting rotated around. He no look and just kind of swats it over to the open three point shooter. And I post on Instagram, somewhat in jest, like, "Sorry, Joel." This only gets attention if you're seven foot fat and Serbian. And someone's <laughs> like, dude, you know Jokic isn't fat, right? I'm like, it doesn't matter at this point. It we're beyond it matter if he actually is fat or not. Like he used to be at one point, and now that's something I will forever. Zion's in the same boat. Uh, obviously, those two guys would blow me out of the water in terms of athleticism, but it's worth it's worth stating. Yeah. So Joel Embiid, I think the world of that guy. I unfortunately am less bullish on the Sixers finals chances this year. I think next year is really going to be the year, but give that man the award. Well, and the MVP never wins the finals. So if he wins MVP, then, then you almost know, all right, well, 
What I, Steph Curry is the last MVP I think to win the finals, right? At this point. Did Gian, I think Giannis might have won, or no? No, he didn't win no, the year no, that they he didn't. won. Right, yeah, yeah, it would have been Steph Curry those first yeah. two Golden State years. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're we are correct in that. The yeah. bubble year absolutely shifts me. Uh, no, no, no MVP since Steph Curry's unanimous. The unanimous. Uh, no, the unanimous season is the one they lost. No one yeah. said it since Steph Curry in Golden State's first round of the finals, the 2015-2016 one. But that's all in the past. Uh, we want to focus on the present. Except I have to admit that my making memories cheats on that a little bit because the way that the team making memories for me is focusing on the president is by turning back to the past. I want to add a W to your NBA talk, Jake, real quick. I want to turn to my beloved Las Vegas aces who have hired another former player to have a prominent role in their franchise. Uh, we've got Becky Hammond already as the highest paid coach in the WNBA for the upcoming season. We now also have our girl, Natalie Williams now is the general manager to go along with Becky Hammond as the coach. We also still have Nikki Fargus and Jennifer Ozzie also in like scouting and developmental those There's four former players, all of whom played together at one point on the same team. Uh, and, and now they just are running the aces pretty much. And it's really cool to see Mark Davis using his ownership to just turn this franchise over to the people that like made it matter in the first place. And Asia Wilson got a lot of spotlight this week on the sidelines of South Carolina's excellent win. I feel great talking about how confident I was with South Carolina last week winning that game because they did not make me look stupid in the slightest. Uh, Don, go Staley Don Staley for Sixers coach. She's, Don Staley would be a phenomenal Sixers coach if the Lakers are really serious about wanting to get Doc Rivers. And Lakers, please be serious about wanting to get Doc Rivers. Nothing would make me happier than the Lakers getting Doc Rivers as their coach. If... Doc becomes like the second coach. I guess he'd be the first coach to be traded twice. I don't know if another coach has been traded even once, but that would be incredible. Ship Doc off for like a second round pick, bring in Don Staley. I'm all the way on board for that. Well, get excited about the Las Vegas Aces, your upcoming WNBA champions. But for right now, again, really great to see a team that is... The Aces are taking kind of a, a big amount of the energy of the WNBA growing right now. And I think that's really just timing. Like, it's a very good moment for the WNBA right now. And the Aces happen to be one of the better teams. And Asia Wilson is a super marketable star. And so they're just benefiting from being one of the better teams in this moment. And they're really capitalizing on it. And it's great to see them at the same time make sure that the way that they're doing that is making people that might just be coming into it. Like, I'm not going to pretend like I was a fan of the silver stars when they were playing there i didn't really know they existed but i'm um, died in the wool las vegas aces now and i love having all of these opportunities to look back and appreciate what has brought this franchise to the point it is now where i've fallen in love with it i was gonna ask this cambage is still on that team no liz cambage is with the sparks liz cambage left with the sparks Ooh. so she actually took some umbrage to becky hammond's very large contract and i totally understand that it is fucked up that the coach who's not even making like that much, relatively speaking, as a coach, the most well-paid WNBA coach. And she's also more well-paid than any WNBA player. It is more than their max contract. So like, that's fucked up. Liz Cambage is right to point that out. It, it is a bummer that the Liz Cambage, Asia Wilson, Twin Towers never really got going. She wasn't even in the bubble season for perfectly understandable health-related uh, concerns. So she wasn't even there during that title run which means we didn't have her, we didn't have Kelsey Plum, Dierica Marie Hamby got hurt in the conference final, so like it, it really was just Asia Wilson against the Seattle Storm single-handedly, and that is why, admittedly, we got swept by the Seattle Storm. But that was in the past. In the future, the Aces are winning, and right now, the Aces are seizing the moment and using it to, to shine a light on their past. 
It's all beautiful. It's all poetry, baby. Wow, love it. And speaking of looking back on the history of basketball, Jake, it's it's no secret that we've brought you here for our third installment of our four-year consideration series to refresh anyone's memory if they haven't been paying attention. We are having some friends bring to us their own choices for induction into our esteemed Hall of Guy. This is a loophole that we have worked out with our eternal contract where Xavier and I will be able to sit in judgment of your induction and Diaz and Spirit will from his Philly fanatic adjacent hospital room. So, Jay, I, I don't want to dilly-dally any further. Please feel free to take it away. Yeah, so this is something that I put my mind to and really racked my brain about what makes a guy, what is a guy, where, where do guys come from? And in the NBA, they come and go a lot. But when you look at the guy economy, there's one person that sticks out as maybe a guy creator, a guy generator, more than anyone else. That being the greatest player of all time, LeBron James. Now, obviously, he's far, far too good, far, far too noteworthy. So I want to look on the other side of things. And I'm going to take a look down the path of the unfortunate and unequipped souls forced to guard LeBron James in a playoff series. So a little long-worded to say, guys who are way out of their depth guarding a superstar. Because ultimately, I mean, there, I'm, I'm going to mention some honorable mentions of guys who didn't make the cut. You look back on Andre Iguodala, he was given a finals MVP for just being there. Yeah. The stat was at one point the finals MVP for like four consecutive years with LeBron James or the person that guarded LeBron James. It's insane. And I think when you look back through history, like a lot of guys, and now there are some guys who won't make the cut. You think of Paul Pierce, a guy who was certainly an unfortunate soul, but he wasn't necessarily unequipped. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he did get. I don't feel bad for any member of the 2008 Celtics team. There's, <laughs> no. there's no team that has ever ridden one championship further into the fucking ground than the 2008 Celtics. Doc Rivers. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know if you know this. I used to do Brian Scalabrini's podcast, Scalin Pals. Uh, it was him. It was Kendrick Perkins. And rotating in was Ryan McDonough. Uh, Ryan McDonough, I think, at the time was an assistant GM. But those are the three guys who were heavily involved in that team. And you would think that they invented basketball with the way that they talked about that team. But nevertheless, I think Paul Pierce and also his time in Brooklyn, he got thrashed by LeBron James there too. Guys like Andre Iguodala, guys like Paul Pierce, they're too good to make a uh, guy discussion. I want to go with a little bit of a deeper cut, a little bit deeper of despair when you bring up the name LeBron James and playoffs. And those are two guys who are very similar to each other. We'll start with Mr. Jay Crowder. Okay. 2014-15, uh, round one with the Celtics, comes up against the Cavaliers. He's playing 25 minutes per game in what is, I believe, his second or third year. 10.8 points against LeBron James, not too bad still. A sweep, okay, maybe, you know what, we'll get, we'll get him next year. It's okay. There's always next year. Oh, except two years from then, Eastern Conference Finals, when he is with Boston, who does he meet again? Ron Mr. LeBron James. James. <laughs> Cleveland takes that one. Four to one. We can keep going. 2019, 2020, NBA Finals. Jay Crowder. Woo. I'm all Miami. Hey, good thing LeBron, he's in a different conference oh, now. Yeah, no, we're safe. Hey, I'm totally safe. I'm playing 31 minutes per game on a good Miami team. Oh. The, the only way I could possibly run into him would be if we already you know, made the finals or something. Oh, who's that in the finals with the Los Angeles Lakers? But 
Mr. LeBron James forced Crowder into 3.7 personal fouls per game. Uh, you're always on the brink when, when it's such a short series. There's only one or two games where he actually wasn't in foul trouble. Again, like you're standing in front of LeBron. You're a guy who is a second round pick. You're just happy to be there. And these are guys who I feel bad for, even though they may have been Celtics. He's not exactly who my number one unfortunate soul is, though. That has to go to a guy who is near his lookalike. There are some years that I thought they were the same player. Mr. Damari Carroll, come on up. Junkyard oh, dog. Damari Carroll. Uh, One-time spur. V very briefly a spur, Damari Carroll. He is exactly like when you look at teams that rely on depth, you'll find guys like Damari Carroll. You'll find guys like Jay Crowder littered on that roster. And they really can exist without those guys. Those guys are big pieces into why they get deep into the playoffs. And this is where the paradox starts out. I'll call it the Carroll Crowder paradox. Because if you don't have LeBron James, or if you don't have a top player, you can't exist without Jay Crowder. You need him. You need guys like Jay Crowder or like Damari Carroll to go deep into the playoffs, to take up big minutes. But you can't win with Jay Crowder. You can't <laughs> win with Damari Carroll. And thus creates a vicious cycle in which Damari Carroll and Jay Crowder, whatever Eastern Conference team they bounce to, they found LeBron James. Now, here's what I got to say in Jay Crowder's defense real quick. Phoenix got the best of the Lakers last season, and the Lakers are not going to get a chance to avenge that because Phoenix four times got the best of the Lakers this season. That's a great point, and I did have that there, and that's why he ultimately doesn't win out as the uh, number one unfortunate guy of the Eastern Conference. That's why Damari Carroll wins out, because you look, 2015, he gets swept as the number one seed. Uh, he was a minus 17 in those four games. You go to the next year, he is on Toronto now. They're the number two seed. And in the semifinals, they lose 4-2 to LeBron. Minus 48. That is Greg Monroe levels of bad for Sixers fans who watched him in reserve of Joel Embiid over the, forget really which, which postseason. Like, I'm not a big plus minus guy box scores. Don't tell you the whole story as we were just talking about with Nikola Jokic, but my goodness, how, and I, this is, this is ultimately where I come back to. Like I want to nominate these guys because I truly do feel bad for them. Damari Carroll was the 27th overall pick in the draft. The fact that he is starting in a playoff series should be commendable. And he yet, was, he was an Eastern conference player of the month. Once he, he had some stuff with him. He had a shot. He had some stuff he could do on the court. And ultimately, X, I know that, I mean, granted, the, the Knicks only really came across LeBron once, but like you have these guys who otherwise are fan favorites or are, are plucky guys on the roster who you like to root for that you just cannot stand the sight of out on the court in the playoffs because LeBron James hunts them down every single possession as we see in playoff basketball all the time. Finishing out to Mari Carroll really quick. 2017, they get swept the year after they're the number two seed. Still on Toronto, they get swept. He also, I don't count this one, but in 2020, he was on Houston. He didn't play in that series, but they did lose to the Lakers. I believe it was in round one. I'm not sure on the bubble year when Houston lost to the Lakers, but they did lose 4-1. So my pitch is going to be for Damare Carroll, overall a solid player, a guy who has never offended anyone, a guy who has been part of some great Route 4, no superstar, you know, they, they still have great regular season type teams, but he's just not good enough. Theme. 
Where, was I that, love that. Was that one seed Hawks team the worst one seed ever? Because that's what I've been thinking of for the past three minutes. I think they are the worst one seed. No, ever. no, no, no. It was the when, when the Pacers got the one seed that one year during the uh, Miami Heat reign. That was the worst one seed ever. The pace that Pacers team was significantly worse than the Hawks team. That Hawks team could have absolutely wrecked those that, uh, Paul George Pacers. That Hawks team was the Paul Millsap team, right? And Paul Millsap is your best moment, player. Revisit the fact that they straight up said we're gonna name a starting lineup Eastern Conference Player of the Month. We're just gonna cheap out and say that this it, it's great. It's very cool. They went seventeen zero in a month. That's dope and all. They really just said we're gonna make all five of these guys Eastern Conference Player of the Month. Doesn't make any sense. It's like when Time named everyone Person of the Year. Uh, it's cop out. It's cop out. Name one person as the Person of the Month. Watching back those games, by the way. I feel, and granted, to NBA fans' credit, I feel like they knew at the time, but like even looking back, it's like at the death of the game, it's a one point game going against Kyrie and LeBron James. And who has the ball? Dennis Schroeder is the one taking dribble drive <laughs> opportunities with 10 seconds left. Like, how, come on, guys. How did we not see this coming? Did you, do either of you think you can name the starting five that was named the players of the month that year? I would love to see if either of you can get this. Millsap is one. Yeah, it was Millsap Teague, is one. Teague and Corver were the backcourt, if I remember correctly. It it is Jeff Teague, it is Kyle Corver, it is Paul Millsap, it is Damare Carroll. And Al Horford. And Al Horford. There we go, baby. Good that pull. is the starting five. Low key, and he didn't make the list just because he's too good and argue he's actually one of the most infuriating players, like whether I'm rooting for LeBron, whether I'm rooting for the Sixers. Al Horford in the playoffs. Often in those series, got switched onto LeBron James, whether he was on Boston or Atlanta. And I can't say, like, I couldn't, I want to include him, but I couldn't include him. He held his own pretty well and ultimately was kind of like the captain of, the, of those teams' defense, really, really responsible yeah, for uh, running those rotations and, and stuff like that. So, also, his family would call you out on Twitter if they heard this. X, I don't think you understand <laughs> what I would do. To be able to talk to Anna Horford for 10 minutes and give her a piece of my mind. I don't think you understand what I would give up to do that. But uh, we don't have to open the Al Horford hate door here. Al Horford should have signed with the Spurs that one offseason where he went to the Celtics. We, he would have won a title in San Antonio. There's no question in my mind Al Horford on that Spurs team like right before Tim Duncan leaves. They, he wins a title. How do they not? Well, they ended up what signing Lamarcus Aldridge was that? that was, they, I believe that was. I don't know if it was the same offseason, but effectively we was signed Lamarcus because we didn't get Al Horford. Like they pursued Al Horford as the primary option, and I think it was maybe because he didn't come on that year they pushed harder for Lamarcus Aldridge the next season. And hey, Lamarcus had one really bad half season leading into a really bad playoffs at one point, but largely such a fucking class act. Love you, Lamarcus Aldridge. Fun nugget about Lamar Lamarcus Aldridge uh, from my time with Ryan McDonough when he was the GM of the Suns. They were another team that was into Lamarcus Aldridge, that free agency, and he said that they believed they had an agreement on the deal or on a deal, on a four-year deal for him to come to Phoenix, and at the last minute, he backed out and chose San Antonio because of Greg Popovich. Who Did knows Greg how Popovich much... Greg Popovich beat Phoenix at the last second once again in something? Shocker. Uh, At least Bob yeah, didn't I, lock him in his in his house and just force him there until he signed like uh, some like some other players. People fought so hard to keep DeAndre Jordan on their team once upon a time, and now every time he <laughs> takes the court, every Sixers fan I know just wants to throw their phone in their toilet. It makes me wonder how hard it is to actually be a 
borderline all-star center if you have like a star guard. Like how hard is it to be Clint Capella? If I was seven feet, I feel like I could be Clint Capella pretty easily. Only one way to find out. We got to get you on a medieval rack. And <laughs> stretch out my <laughs> limbs. I think I've always said I have like, I have this game of a six foot 10 player uh, with the knee issues in like a five foot 10 frame. It's, ooh, that's all the best parts. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I have clothes that fit me. I have problems getting up when it's cold out. Uh, you know, all the good things. Yeah, just and, and not an NBA salary, unfortunately. <laughs> right, yeah, and a podcast <laughs> producer salary. <laughs> I've got some follow-up questions. Uh, Xavier, do you have anything you want to lead with? I'm just trying to think, like, you know, it's an interesting theory, the, you know, the, the paradox that we have here about the player that is needed to do defensive work but gets targeted and ends up being both a liability and a necessity. I do, I do like that. I'm just, it, it's interesting to see how it played out in practice. You know, I've been flashing back in my mind all of those games. And obviously Jay Crowder, I think he's still here. He's still playing and could win, win a title this year. But the Damari Carroll one, I think, is, uh, is, is really interesting. I feel like Damari Carroll is in like the perfect guy territory. He's, he's got a very good level of notoriety been a part of a number of teams. I've been trying to check here. I believe it's a total of eight total teams. What I also like, never spent more than two seasons with anybody, which was kind of shocking to me. I really felt that he had been in Brooklyn for a much longer period of time, I guess, than he had. I thought he went like straight from Atlanta to Brooklyn and then just stayed there. But he had a whole saga in Toronto, whereas you were saying, he also got the shit beaten out of him by LeBron James. Yeah, and you know what? I have to say, like in terms of feel-good stories, the year that DeMar DeRozan is having makes me feel so good for, for that guy because of all the things that he went through in Toronto. Obviously, you're, you're a big fan of him. He, he actually, I will say, very quietly became the player he is today in San Antonio. Like, you look at his field goal percentage. 100%. 100%. And, and could not be happier for him that he is blossoming somewhere else right now. Couldn't agree with you more that he... He developed so much in that time. And hey, you know what? At no point during his time in San Antonio did he have to play LeBron James in the playoffs. Yep. That's a convenient out for him. Uh, he's not going to have to this year, even though I'm, I'm not super high on Chicago. Nevertheless, still feel good for him. But one thing that I am interested in, and spinning it forward, and, and I, I'll kick this to you guys as well, for this playoff. So, like, I think... I, I think if you go by the paradox, if you go by the Carol Crowder paradox, who are the teams this year that have those guys that simply can't win? Because I, I'm afraid to say the Philadelphia 76ers are 100% one of those teams with George's Niang and Danny Green running around out there. Uh, Once again, let's not besmirch Danny Green. No, no. Oh, time NBA champion. I, I'm 10 toes down here on Danny Green. I cannot. It makes me my blood boil when he has a wide open corner three and it goes off the side of the backboard or air balls. I, I just, it makes me enraged to a degree that uh, I don't wish to explain, but uh, I think the Sixers are kind of, I love Niang too. I really do love him as like a fuck you three point guy. Like I'm going to shoot it no matter what. And it's going in, but he's a guy who gets hunted. I I'm just trying to think in my mind, if there are any other guys who just totally stick out as like, all right, he's going to get attacked. Like yeah, I mean, is, Dallas is, 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 oh. is Bertan, Bertan feels like he would be one. He's one of those guys now. He will, You can't even put him on the floor. I don't know that. That's an interesting. You want a, a curious case of uh, 
the yips, or I, I don't even know what you want to call it. He's completely lost his shot since leaving Washington. Yeah. Uh, but he is kind of an example. I think Dwight Powell, even though he's a little bit more athletic than some of the guys that we're bringing up, like Dwight Powell's a good example of, you know who's perfect? Dorian Finney-Smith is a great <laughs> example yeah. of a guy who's just like there, and he's going to be probably attacked. I mean, I love Patty Mills, but most of the Nets bench is going to get run over. Like, it's really good for them that Kyrie has got some pretty fresh legs this season. Because, uh, hey, we can say whatever we want to say about Ben Simmons. I know we all have lots of feelings about Ben Simmons here. It's it's pretty rough for Brooklyn that they made that trade and then aren't even going to get any Ben Simmons this year. Like, some Ben Simmons is still competent basketball. My hottest take. This is the absolute... Most scalding take I have in, in my arsenal. Uh, I'll bring it out here. We will never see Ben Simmons in an NBA uniform of any kind ever again. That is, that is my hot take. He never suits up again. He will, never, he will get his $20 million from the NBA out of arbitration from the 76ers. He will realize, and I'm assuming he's already came to this realization, that he is just not built for this NBA big spotlight media. Maybe, maybe if he goes to Indiana or something, or if he goes to Cleveland where there's no nightlife and the and the media doesn't he care. Like he wanted to go to another big market. I'm like, you don't seem like you're ready for that. Well, it seems like he went to Orlando, and that's good. That is exactly what Markel Fultz needed. He wanted to go to the West Coast because the fans over there do not care. No, no knock on like the on the LA fans. But look at their football games. Look at the Chargers. It took the Rams going to the Super Bowl to get people out. When the Dodgers are good, no one comes out to the games until it's playoff time. Like, Ben Simmons wants to be there because there's not a spotlight on him. And I also tab him as, like, if I'm thinking of a guy who I know does not love the game with all of his heart, like, that that's Ben Simmons. He loves the celebrity of it, I think. He loves the money side of it. And it, if it gets to a point where he can live with the money side and the celebrity side is already built in there and he doesn't have to go to training camp, yeah. I think he's a guy who would absolutely love to shrug that off, go Andrew Bynum into the sunset, never play again, FU Sixers type beat. He'll, yeah. he'll play in the NBL, though. He'll, he'll go home and, and play down there. He'll, he'll buy a team so that he and LaMelo can have a rivalry there. Yeah, he'll, he'll be on the Boomers. <laughs> Honestly, it's not the craziest take that I've ever heard. I'd still be pretty shocked by anyone doing that, but I am reminded of, of a take that I've always agreed with with a, a Baltimore Twitter mutual of mine. To paraphrase him, I don't trust anyone that is supposed to be a number one pick that can't get their team into the March Madness tournament. That is that is very... And honestly, looking back, that should have been like, good sir, numero uno. He's playing with a bunch of scrubs and the guy doesn't want to shoot. What's that tell you about that dude's drive? LSU but. basketball, man. I feel like it's... It's a bizarre history. It's really weird. It's really weird. They should be one of like the best like schools. Arguably, the aren't. second most famous modern day basketball player is from LSU basketball. And I think if you asked people where Shaq went to play college basketball, I'd bet probably about fifty percent of people get it right. That's still kind of nuts. Like I don't think I think the, the percentage of people who can tell you Michael Jordan went to UNC is way higher than the number of people that can tell you that Shaq went to LSU. And I think, I forget when he said it, it was like a year or two ago, Shaq was on some show and was like, oh, the, the statute of limitations, 25 years, right? Okay, I could talk about this. Yeah, he should, my son should go to LSU because they gave me a house, they gave me a car, they gave me $25,000. <laughs> 
that's why I went to LSU. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Well, Will Wade has been trying to do that with LSU now. And that's what right? got him fired. <laughs> yeah. Irish folk hero Shaquille O'Neal. Um, okay, returning to the case at hand, Damari Carroll. I have a question. Mm-hmm. We, we like our guys to be well-rounded. I think the sports case for Damari Carroll is, is pretty airtight. I got an excellent case based on a statistical career, incredibly guy-like. But I, do you have any, any personal elements about the man? Damari Carroll that we can we can add to this uh in terms of personality not a ton however there are some things that stick out first and foremost Damari Carroll went to John Carroll High School Damari Carroll went to John Carroll High School uh, as the bad podcaster that I am I have no clue if he's actually related to that John Carroll for the sake of this pod I'll say that he is so there's a good fact about him and then also you have probably my favorite anecdote about Damari Carroll, that being his nickname. Junkyard Dog is pretty much the exact nickname that I would want really for good. a guy. It's like like really, like really a good nickname. Yeah, the fifth guy on your team, someone who is going to hound LeBron James uh, all across the floor. Like, he Literally got that has dog, a dog in him. His, I hope he was trying to capitalize on it with the name, honestly. Well, and not only, I think he recognized the branding opportunity because and I've never seen this before, but in basketball reference, his second nickname listed is JYD 2.0, which I can only imagine <laughs> means Junkyard Dog 2.0. He upgraded, he changed everything about him except for the dog. And uh, sound like a Star Wars droid? Yeah, he is him, C-3PO, and R2. That big three you could put up there against... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But yeah, Damari Carroll really leaned into the Junkyard Dog name. Uh, Last point I'll make about him, LaEdric. I don't think that I've ever met another person with the name LaEdric. That's his middle name. That's top-tier name I may have ever heard. Very unique. Not sure what that counts for, but it is a unique thing about our guy, Damari Carroll. Would, he would be the first ever inductee to have that middle name. It would be unique to the and whole so ever. far. That's what I have on the person side. Again, a little drab, a little dry, probably not the best prepared for my guy, Damari. But nevertheless, I don't know. I think he stands out. He is a, um, he's the people's guy. He's not necessarily, he's no different from you and me. And that's what makes him so special, except that he's 6'6", 215 and plays. Not everyone has to be like Dr. Kevin Dyson and have a full second career of becoming an educator. We like good nuggets. Those were good nuggets. And I am going to be able to save you because I have one nugget that I learned about Damari Carroll when he came to the Spurs very briefly. So Damari Carroll, when he was like coming into Missouri, when he was playing Missouri in college, transferred there from Vanderbilt, he was like, oh man, I got itchy legs. Uh, I think I got to like get these allergies checked out. Ghost gets checked out for allergies. Turns out he's got like a liver disease. And they're like, hey, at some point, you're going to need a full liver transplant. Oh my God. But it's not going to be for at least 20 years. So you can have an NBA career right after that. You kind of need to have a full liver transplant. And this was like made public going into the NBA draft. So it was known for the entirety of Damari Carroll's career. Hey, the liver that I'm playing basketball with is not the liver I will continue to have for the rest of my life after basketball. He had a full career, just not end up impacting him at all. It is just another nugget, and it's, it's a nugget that I can throw to you uh, because I do remember that briefly from that San Antonio time. That's horrifying, and it's also giving me a lot of stress. Once I hear of a rare illness, I'm worried that eventually it's going to happen to me. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> 
you're you're one step before me, X. So that would be going and searching out the symptoms that you have, and then pairing them with some form of like super obscure disease, or or I don't know. But what I will say, I did just find this, which made me do a inaudible chuckle, still a laugh. Uh, Taurine Prince's article from 2016. Taurine Prince is more than the next Damari Carroll. No, he actually literally was exactly what Damari Carroll was, both for Brooklyn yeah, no, and Atlanta. <laughs> exactly. He was Damari Carroll. Exactly. That article couldn't have been more wrong. He was JYD 3.0, essentially. <laughs> right, correct. Yeah. He was Junkyard Dog 3.0. We're still looking for 4.0. Maybe we'll find him this postseason. Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes in Toronto. Whoa. I'm just saying, Scotty he, Barnes. He buys I love Scotty Barnes. Barnes. But keep eyes on him. I think 4.0 might have been released in beta. We're he's still getting a better scorer. He's a better scorer than those guys, though, Scotty Barnes. Yeah, he'll work out the bugs this offseason. He'll be clean, up and running, 4.0. Solid. Hey, man, that's what we said about OG Anunoby. And OG uh, Anunoby's fine. OG Anunoby is a nice piece. Yeah, Just like Damari like, Carroll is a nice piece. I, yeah, I was saying, like, he's kind of like a reliable guy. I'm like, no, if I want him out exactly. there. Gets LeBron. <laughs> I don't think I have too much. David, do you have any more deliberation that you want to share out loud for us? I'd like to hear any more thoughts you have. Nothing that I can think of right now, you know, with, with Damare. I'm feeling pretty good about him. I kind of like the junkyard dog, even if it's not as good as Fred McGriff, the crime dog. But not, not every nickname can be the greatest. But junkyard Is dog a junkyard dog in direct conflict with McGriff, the crime dog? Like, are they locked in combat? I don't think so, because a junkyard dog can also be used as security, as like a protector. And I think the crime, the crime dog is supposed to be like a detective. It's not the criminal dog. The vibe that I'm getting is that the junkyard dog is is sort of like a Huggy Bear and Starsky and Hutch situation. That's your informant. Look, he's not not a criminal, but he can tell you what criminals are up to. I was going to say, like, he, he is the perfect anti-hero. He, he toes the line between good and evil, whereas, like, Demari Crime Carol Dog was get shot in a domestic dispute once. That's another good one. You know what? Someone, speaking of, of disputes and things that are unfortunate, Tabo Cephalosha was going to make this list, but he Dude, is unfortunate. He got so fucked. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I would not feel good in a good conscience putting him in there, but he was on those Atlanta teams. He was on the OKC finals team that went up against LeBron and he was like really the first him and Andre Roberson, Tony Allen those were guys that like pure defense they couldn't give you much else and when they're overmatched they're just total minus on the floor and that's what he was unfortunately in those uh, series but overall good career for our guy Tabo Xavier it sounds like you're a yes yeah I'm a yes and uh, I have to admit it's it's hard for me to say no to a Spur, even if it was... I don't know if you guys remember how Damari Carroll came to the Spurs. It's 100% because uh, I believe one of the Morrises like was going to come to them and then switched his mind the last minute when signed with the Knicks, and they were like, oh, fuck. We, we need someone to fill that roster spot. What's up, Damari? You, you look like a nice piece to add to the roster. Didn't work out so well for them, just as it didn't work out for anyone too well when they brought him in. He got a first for Marcus Morris that year. That was a good signing by us. He, he was great on the shitty team. Got a first from the Clippers. Great job for fucking us, Knicks. <laughs> glad, glad that worked out for you. You have um, so much more than I do when it comes to basketball. <laughs> well, I think it's a yes for me, too, on Damari Carroll. I think wow. he fits the, the, the character phenomenally. 
I'm uh, far be it from me to deny a man who's already been denied by LeBron James so many times. I'm certainly no LeBron James. So what, why should I stand in the way? I'm going to let him move on to the next round this time. And with that veteran of, of eight teams, longtime journeyman, junkyard dog, JYD 2.0. If you ever need to upgrade again, we will, we will make the patch and we'll need to because Damari Carey, your plaque now hangs in the hall of guy. Congratulations. What a guy officially. And you know what? I actually had some trepidation bringing him before you guys, but the Spurs angle, it, it was, it was a shoe in there. I, I knew, I, I knew my bread was already buttered, James, but uh, <laughs> glad that he's not blocked by James for a second time, as you said. I, there we go. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm I'm very easy to pander to. I traded Bryce Harper for Cedric Mullins in a fantasy baseball league this year. I don't care. You know what? I'm gonna lose no matter what. Let me have Cedric Mullins on my team. Is that in the is that in a dynasty league? That's in a dynasty no, league. No, it's not in a dynasty league. Okay. It's a redraft okay. league. Okay. Fair enough. You know what? Have Cedric Mullins. I was gonna say in a dynasty league, that's something we have to like no, the league is overruling. Actually, yeah, you know that was, I, I mean, to be fair, yeah. I have Cedric Mullins in my dynasty league as well. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, guys. I'm an Orioles fan, and I'm sad about it. I'm, so, um, I'm sorry to hear that. Hey, you know what? I actually have nothing to say after that. I have nothing to mitigate what they're doing to me. I love the team dearly. They're making me so upset. But it's okay. Someday, it won't be. Um, hey, Jake, you've, you've mentioned some of your projects. I would love to give you an opportunity to, to shout some of that out now. Yeah, you can find me. I do a weekly podcast with my buddies called Straight Facts. Uh, we are the sports show that looks to educate and entertain, try and break down some of those far out statistics that you see in the media that tell you, hey, Nikola Jokic is so much better than Joel Embiid. We give context to them and try and uh, try and bring the layman fan up to speed in the advanced analytics era. You can also find my written work at BetQL covering UFC betting as well as some NBA betting. Have an article, as I mentioned, about why Joel Embiid is the MVP plus 200. Still some value on him out there. Go check that out. And X, do you have anything other than just cheering for your Yankees and Rangers right now? You know, nothing, nothing too crazy. I like Obi Toppin. I'm glad that the Knicks suck so bad. They finally were forced to play him. And now he can show that he actually has some talent. But, you know, that's all the basketball enjoyment that I've gotten this year as the Knicks have fallen back to earth like I should have expected. Yeah, man, I can't complain about this first. We've got three first-round picks. We had an all-star pop got the record, and we knocked the Lakers out of the play-in along with the Suns. I got no complaints on that front. And as much as I bitch about the Orioles the day this comes out Monday, I will be hours after we release this walking into the stadium, painting the clown makeup on my face once again to cheer him on because I just can't help it. And that's all I've got this week. Fellas, it's been a lovely time having you both. My name's James. I've been the very special guest, Xavier. I've been the very special giga guest, Jake Galley. And doing an impression of Diaz, doing an impression of famous poet Ernest Lawrence Thayer. And somewhere men are laughing and somewhere children shout, but there is no joy in Mudville. The guys have struck out. This is just a game.